Good morning. Thank you and welcome on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's, it's good to have you, whether you're in this room, over in a theater, or, or, or wherever you are, whether this room or the other room, we are, we are glad to have you and glad to have you a part of our church this, this weekend. So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can open up, and, and we're in this to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. So it doesn't matter to us whether you turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 1, or you click to, or you can use Version, and you can go on Version, open up that app, and click on Live Event, and search for Fellowship of the Rockies, and the sermon notes, and all the sermons uh, will come up, uh, the sermon notes, and the blanks, and the scripture will come up for you. You can take notes there, you can email them to yourself at the close of service. However you get scripture does not matter to us. The important thing is, is you get scripture, and you read scripture. So we're in this series called Grace Poured Out. And Pastor DeWayne last week, I, the fact is, I got to hear his sermon this last week, and I think really that was probably one of the best sermons that Pastor DeWayne has preached uh, since he's been here. It was just a wonderful sermon and just ministered to me so greatly. And he preached about grace through weakness. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to tie this series together, and I want to end this series. Next weekend I start a brand new series, uh, The Mystery of God, and we're going to go through the first 23 verses in Ephesians if you'd like to read ahead. And we're going to uh, journey through that for about five weeks we'll be there and we'll look at the mystery of God. But today, we want to look at this subject of turning grace into grace. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you and I have the ability to take grace and turn grace into, uh, in, into grace. In other words, grace is poured out on us, and then we're not to be a, a stagnant pond, we're not to be a stagnant pool, but we're to be a conduit, and we're to allow that grace to be poured out on us and then through us. So while you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, uh, let me tell you a story. It's a true story about a man by the name of Captain Swinton. Now, Captain William Swinson just recently got the Congressional Medal of Honor for an act of bravery that he did on September the 8th of 2009. Uh, Captain Swinson was leading a troop of men in Afghanistan uh, along with some Afghan troops. They were providing support. They were providing protection uh, for some government officials that were going to meet with some local town elders there in Afghanistan. Uh, when they landed and came into that town, all of a sudden something happened and they were ambushed. And they were taking fire on all three sides. It was, they, were, they were way outnumbered. It was a vicious firefight. And Captain Swinson, in the midst of the, of the battle, uh, lost his helmet. And uh, he, he ran back into the line of fire and he was bringing out the wounded and bringing out the dead. And, and he realized that they needed help. They needed medevac helicopters. They needed support. Captain Swinson took a red flag that he found and he draped it across his body, knowing that it would make him more of a target than the other guys. But he, he knew that that was the only way that the helicopters with the sandstorm and everything that was going on, that was the only way that they were going to be able to, to see them and find them. The most amazing thing about this day is this, is that one of the crew members, one of the medics on the medevac helicopter was wearing a GoPro camera on their helmet. And they videoed the whole thing. In fact, is the whole drama unfolds on this video. In fact, is you can Google it, not now, later. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can Google it and you can see it later. And so what happened that day, the footage begins and the footage starts and you see Captain William Swinson bringing out a comrade, bringing out uh, an American soldier who had been shot in the neck. Uh, he, he was bleeding out, and he, but he could still walk. He brings him into the medevac helicopter. He gets him situated in the helicopter, and the medevac personnel with the GoPro, ham, uh, the GoPro camera on his helmet turned, and, we, and the events unfold. And Captain Swinson gets this man situated in the medevac helicopter, and then all of a sudden, he bends down. He whispers something in the man's ear that we don't know what he said. He whispers something in the man's ear. 
He kissed him on the cheek. He patted his head. And he went back into the line of fire to search for more wounded and to save others. When I first saw that video, I wondered, where, where does emotion like that come from? Where does love like that come from? You see, in the military, the military gives honor and the military gives medals for people who are willing to sacrifice their lives for the gain of others. That's why we celebrate Memorial Day. That's why we celebrate this day when we remember those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives and sacrificed their lives so others may gain, so you may gain, and so I may gain. You see, in the military, one of the reasons we respect the military at the level in which we do is because the military is that group of people that give honor and medals to those who sacrifice their lives so others may gain. The world, the world, in fact, is business, and the world is complete opposite. The fact is in the world and in business that, that you get bonuses and you get promotions and, and, and if you will sacrifice others so you may gain or if you sacrifice others so your company may gain or the, the profits may gain. And see, I'm telling you, the world has it backwards. And in that, you'll never find peace. See, the point of Christianity is this. The point of Christianity and what we've been talking about, grace poured out, grace upon grace, is this, is, is we sacrifice our lives so others may gain. Because in that is when we find peace. In that is when we find comfort. Fact is, the scripture teaches if you go through life sacrificing others so you may gain, you'll never find satisfaction. You'll never find peace. But the scripture teaches when you live a life where you seek ye first the kingdom of God, and you sacrifice your life so others may gain and you live life differently, then guess what? Satisfaction is natural. Satisfaction is a byproduct of that. And so when you look at the point of Christianity, you realize that, that this issue of, of grace poured out and as grace is poured out on us, it's our, our focus passage, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. And so it's understanding that it's natural that when you understand the grace of God and you come to grips with the grace of God and what God has done for you, that it's natural not to be a stagnant pond, but it's natural to be a, a conduit and allow his grace to flow out on others. Ephesians 3, verse 2, Paul says this, talking about this. He says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, what? For the benefit. For the benefit of the Gentiles. In other words, I sacrifice my life so the Gentiles might gain. I sacrifice my life so others might gain. You, you see this in the word benefit. Uh, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me this special responsibility of expending, extending his grace to you Gentiles. And so we, 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 have a, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as Christians when grace has been poured out on us and we've accepted that grace and we've received that grace. We have a responsibility to extend that grace to others. The, the premise of the sermon is just such a simple one. Every cause in the Christian life has an effect. And the grace of God that we receive has an effect and it changes our lives and changes our relationships. And we recognize our responsibility to pour grace out on others. That when his grace comes down, that we allow it to flow to others. You see, see I believe churches should spend way more time teaching people how to how to bless others. Because I'm telling you, when you bless others, when you allow his grace to pour out on others, something happens deep within your soul. 
See, blessing, this issue of blessing is the project, projection of good into someone's life. It's, the, it's this deep relationship. We, we think it and we, we communicate it and we, we, we feel it and we communicate it with our actions. We communicate it with our bodies. And in fact, it's all the way through Scripture. Scripture's been talking about this for thousands upon thousands of years. That we bless one another, we serve one another, we take care of one another, we pray for one, all of those things. But you see over and over in Scripture that we, we bless one another. In fact, is here recently researchers got together and, and, and they discovered some things that the Bible has been teaching for thousands of years. In fact, is scientists, researchers have actually found that, that, that sometimes what is called mirror neurons, that your body, your brain was wired to bless others. In other words, it's something natural. Something happens in us. When we're willing to bless others, the relationships around us, it feeds our soul. It helps us. So this morning as we end this series and we understand grace, and I really want you to understand because I still think, you know what, we may still have a long ways to go in understanding what grace is. And so many of you have emailed me and, and says, you know, thank you for helping us understand that grace isn't just for salvation, that grace is for daily living. And it's grace piled on top of grace. It's grace for today and grace for tomorrow and grace for the next day. It, it, it's not limited. It, it's unlimited. It, 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 you cannot exhaust it that God gives you grace for today and he gives you grace for tomorrow as well. The scripture teaches this, and, and Simon Peter is talking about it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And he's talking about this issue of, of four things that should be seen in your life when grace is active in your life. In other words, when you receive the grace and you're allowing that grace to flow out on others, there's four identifiers, there's four things that someone should be able to look into your life and say, that's it, that's grace, that's grace poured out, that's grace flowing out. The first one is this, others can see God's grace in your life by what you stop. See, uh, others can see God's grace in your life by what you stop, that when you, with the, when you come to Christ, that all of a sudden there's this transformation that happens, that all of a sudden you stop doing some of the things that you once did. In other words, there's this transformation, there's this change in your life. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer also. For, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. And you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, chasing satisfaction, sacrificing others so you may gain. This, this is the principle. This is what he's talking about. To where, in other words, do you live a life and you understand what well, he goes on deeper and watch this. And he says, he says, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. In other words, you live a life in such a way that you're willing to sacrifice your life so others might gain. In verse 10 of this chapter, uh, Simon Peter goes a little deeper and he says, and as each have received a gift, Use it. So what do you do with the gifts God's given to you? Use it to bless others. Use it to serve others because something happens in your soul when you do that. Something happens in their soul, in their lives. And he says, as good stewards, in other words, good administrators, good, good managers of God's varied grace, then grace should be shown towards others. And others must be able to see in your life that there's a transformation and they should be able to see in your life that, you know what, you're not the same person you was. By some of the things that you have, you have stopped and, and the change and it, to where you crucify the flesh and you crucify some sins. See, being a Christian in a transformed life is synonymous. Verse 6 in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, this is why the, grace, this is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever in God's spirit. 
And so, so the question is, well, how do we change? And, and look at this in verse 3. He said, you, you had enough in the past of, of evil things, the godless people in, in, that godless people enjoy their, their immorality and their lust and their feasting and their drunkenness and their wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, watch this, your, your former friends, the things that you stopped. Okay, so your, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you, they, they make fun of you, they, they laugh at you, they, they talk about you. And in other words, he, he's, he's talking about a change. I have a friend that told me the last week on the phone, he said, you know, the best part of being over 50 is, is when we did our stupid stuff, it wasn't recorded on the Internet. like a change in other words you don't you don't live like the lost anymore you don't live like the dead anymore you don't live like those who who don't know Christ anymore and even though they may condemn you and laugh at you and make fun of you but I tell you this when when they see when their life falls apart you're the first one they're going to talk to talk to see this is this is the atmosphere where the gospel is is actually preached to them by by your life who are able to see that there's, there's something different in, in your life and you're, you're living your life and your attitudes are changing, your actions are changing, your desires are changing, and everything. And they're getting to watch it lived out in front of you. See, see it really helps me, and, 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 and I know sometimes I'm anal about some things, and, and this may be one of them, but it, but it, it really helps me just to think through the, the, responsibility that, the responsibility that I have. To think that my disobedience to God could lead others to spiritual destruction. We've seen way too many pastors fall. Way too many people have been hurt. Way too many people have walked away from church and said no more. We watch way too many believers that we know. I mean, when we understand that the, the responsibility that we have this grace upon grace, this grace poured out. And, and, you, and you may have received that grace, but you're not faithfully administering that grace. And you're not walking in that grace. Because the scripture says that his grace comes from him to us, and it changes us. See, God never intended to save men in their sin, but from their sin and out of their sin to where they no longer live life the way that they once did. And that's the way people can see God's grace in your life. The second way that people can see God's grace in your life is not only by what you stop, but, but the second thing is by what you start. In other words, there's some things that you stop doing, and then there's some things that you start doing. When the transformation process starts, when the change starts in your life, there's some things that you no longer do that your friends did, that the old way of life, all of that stuff. And then there's some things that you start doing. In other words, you, you put into effect the administering of, of God's grace. And all of a sudden, you're a different person. And, and Simon Peter fleshes this out in verse 7, chapter 4. Watch this. He says, the end of all things is near. Now he's saying, he said the motivation for this, the motivation is a transformed life. But the urgency is we understand we're living in the last days. We're living in the last times. And so when you see the all things are near, when you see that statement, you realize that Paul is saying this is urgent. 
I mean, none of us know how much longer we have. It is something that is urgent. It's something for today. And he goes, therefore, be be clear-minded. In other words, be focused. And be self-controlled so that what? So that you could pray. See, let me tell you something. If you're not clear-minded, focused, and disciplined, you'll never life journal along with our pastors and and leaders. You'll You'll never open up the word during the week for yourself and allow God to speak to you directly out of his word into your heart. If you're not clear-minded, if you're not, not focused, you will never do those things. And then he watched this. He goes on, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. And not only just the ones you agree with. I mean, he's talking about like everybody. I mean, it's this, it's this active kind of love. It's this grace-giving kind of, of love. And he goes on, because the love covers a multitude of sins, does, does that mean that we don't hold anybody accountable? Does that mean it doesn't? No, no, absolutely not. But it does mean this, that they were able to overlook some of their faults. They were able to tolerate them. We were able not to judge them and try to minister to them and help them. And then verse 9, watch this. He says, offer hospitality to one another without what? Without grumbling. Now, that word hospitality doesn't just mean letting someone into your house and feeding them a meal. It's much deeper than that. It's a deep relationship. It's a life-giving relationship. In other words, it blesses them. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, how about this? Offer hospitality, offer a relationship to someone, offer a deep relationship to someone, or maybe a group of people, whether it's a life group, individual friends, in 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 a marriage or whatever, and do it without grumbling. Now, listen, all through Scripture, it says that we're to... We're to bless one another and serve one another. In fact, this scripture says we bless people and we don't curse them. And there was a long time in my Christian life that when it said don't curse it, it just, when I saw don't curse them, I thought it meant don't swear at them. I mean, don't call them a bad word. I mean, uh, don't use non-church words when you're yelling at someone is what I used to think that's what that meant. And uh, then I started studying scripture and, and I realized that it means something much deeper than that. Because we can curse people without words see the word grumbling really for us is complaining and we can we can hurt people we can curse people without any words without even speaking a word what's well, a look a sigh a roll of the eyes an eyebrow blocking off from someone I watched husbands curse their wives and why and they've looked at him, kind of paused for a long time, and it was kind of sarc- It says, honey, you know I, I love you. The better we know someone, the more subtly and cruelly we can hurt them without ever speaking a word. That's why Proverbs says there's seven things that the Lord hates, and one of them is haughty eyes. It's that person that just walks into the room and they judge you with their eyes. You just know you're just not going to measure up to them. You just know it's a look of disgust. It's a, a, a look of judgment. It's a look of, of you're, you're just not as, no matter what, you're just not as good as, as them. See, the way, listen, let me tell you something. The way in which we live our lives can destroy your soul. Research is saying, the Bible says that we were wired to bless others. And you know what happens when we bless others? Something happens within our soul. And when we don't bless others and we're grumbling and we're complaining, the same is true. Something happens. Our soul starts dying a little bit. 
I want to give you some homework. I want to give you an experiment, and I want you to run this experiment. And you can do this as a family. It may be great fun for you if you're not, you know, you run this with a, with a spouse, or you, could, you can do it by yourself. However you want to do it, doesn't matter to me. I want you to try this experiment. On Monday, I want you to start Monday out, and every conversation you have on Monday, I want you to start it out with a complaint. I want you to complain about the weather. I want you to complain about maybe, maybe your job or your house or, or complain about, you know, your clothes or, uh, or, or complain, about, uh, complain about the spouse you don't have, maybe complain about the spouse you do have. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can, maybe you want to complain about the other person. Maybe you want to complain about the person you're talking with. Maybe you don't like the way they're dressed. Maybe you don't like about how they talk. Maybe you don't like about something they did. But here's what I want you to do. I just want you to start every conversation out with a complaint and say, man, you know, you're not going to believe it. I didn't sleep at all last night. Or, or I hate the weather. Or I hate this. Or I don't like this. And I want you to do that all day. Now, on Tuesday, and, and I'm praying Tuesday's experiment is easier for you than Monday's experience. I want you to start every conversation out with gratitude. I want you to start every conversation out with compliment. Things you're grateful for. Man, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my husband. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my health. I'm, I'm grateful for where I live. I'm, to where you start out a conversation says, you know what? Man, I... It's a great day, right? I mean, it's it's just great to, it's great to be a, it's great to be alive, isn't it? Now, and then on Wednesday, evaluate your two days. Which day left you feeling more vibrant? Which day left you feeling closer to God? Which day left you to where you just kind of sensed the, the presence of, of God in your life? My guess is. It's when you're grateful. Because, see, something happens in the soul. See, God wired us to bless others. God wired us to allow his grace to be poured out on us and poured out on others. Let me tell you how powerful this, this principle is, and, and we'll move on. But most of you know my dad suddenly passed away April the 27th, and, and we flew out that Monday morning immediately to, to Houston, and, and it was just a tough time. It was just a tough time. And, and, you know, as a pastor, I go through the same stuff. As a family, we go through the same stuff as you go through. And death and loss and illness and challenges and everything. And so it, it, it was a tough time. And you know, you know those days when, when you feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I can get through today. And then you realize grace piled on to grace, grace upon grace. You get grace for today and you get grace for tomorrow. And Karen and I, we basically started out the day, each day, the same way. It's from a principle that she learned from Pastor Chad and worship team. And, and uh, that a form of praise is, is telling God what you're, what you're grateful for. And every morning we started out with a, with a grateful list. And we just went through the things that we're grateful for. My grateful that I got my family around me. I, I'm grateful that I have my my daughters and Karen and your Karen's daughters too. I didn't mean it's like just mine. <laughs> and our grandkids. The, the grandkids are just mine. Uh, 
And we had grandkids around us, and we had kids around us, and we had family around us. And text messages and cards and people that were encouraging and sending. And, and we started every day out, and something happened within our soul. Even on the most difficult day, and we, we learned. I mean, we learned at a deep level that God is close to the brokenhearted. That God is with you in your tears and your hurt and your pain and your loss and your difficulty. But when we worship through that and we just we go back to what we're grateful for, something happens in your soul, which leads me to the third point. People are able to see God's grace in your life by the way in which you suffer. See, I, I really believe this, that, that, that the miracles of healing, uh, not the miracles of healing, but the, the sufficiency of God's grace in suffering are sometimes the grandest testimonies in the Christian life, or in the life. See, the world gets it. The world understands when you get blessed financially and you get the house, you get the car, you get all of that stuff. They understand how you could praise God, but you know what confounds the world? You know what ministers of the world? Is that when we, we're still able to praise Him through our pain, and we're still able to praise Him through our tears, and we're still able to understand He is with us in His presence. See, I believe not that I get a raise or build a new house or get a car or get the new boat or, or the dream vacation, but God's sufficiency in my life, when I've lost my house, when I've lost my job, when I've lost the car, when I've lost a loved one, when I've lost something, and the greatest testimony in the Christian life is when a believer can say, through it all, he was there. He was true. His presence was there. And I'm telling you, the way that you, the way that you unlock that, the way that, listen, the way that you unlock that in relationships is pouring grace out on others. Your words to your spouse, are there more complaining words, criticizing words, judging words, or encouraging words? Telling you. Our God is wired, and I'm telling you, this year I'm going to do a series on the soul. And I don't think we understand it. And I don't think we understand the power of the soul. But the greatest testimony, this is what Paul says, look, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 2. I was caught up to the third, third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I do not know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. I don't know, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astonishing that cannot even be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience was worth, worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only, I'll boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I'd be telling you the truth. But I won't do it. Because I don't want to give anyone, I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. I want to see grace. Even though I've received such a wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, probably a physical ailment, a physical health issue. A messenger of Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and another three times I prayed and I asked God, uh, take this away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in, in weaknesses. Those days when we say, I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can get through today. I don't know if I want to do this. 
Can we start praising him? So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. What he says is, is it's grace upon grace. It's unlimited. You can't exhaust it. It's grace piled up on grace. It's enough grace for today. The fact is, it's just enough grace for today. It's what keeps us dependent on him. And it's enough grace for tomorrow. And it's enough grace for the next day. And it's a grace for the next day. See, I, I think this issue of how we suffer may be our greatest testimony. Some of the Christians that I respect the most, in fact, is some of the most po- prominent Christians that I know have within their family divorce and depression and alcoholism and drug addictions and bankruptcy and death and illness and financial loss and devastation. Something about grace and seeing it lived out. The fourth and the final thing about how people can see God's grace in our life, it's not only by what we stop and, or by what we start uh, and how we suffer, but the last thing is this, it's, 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 it's how I give. In other words, grace is lived out. We were wired to bless. We were wired to give. We were wired. In fact, is there something you and I have to do to to turn off that conduit or to to make it? Because we were naturally made for that. And so when grace flows out of my life, when grace flows out of our life, it is is expressed by the way in which we, we, we bless others, the way in which we give. Uh, we give to a local body or whatever. And so the question is that the researchers asked, the researchers were asking this question when they were uh, going through. In fact, is the Bible answers this question as well. fact is the research agrees with what Scripture says for thousands of years. And so what, what researchers found is why is it in life that we're wired to bless? We have, been, we have proven that we're wired to bless. And then why is it that some people don't? Why is it that some people give and some people don't give? And so the answers that researchers came up with was very interesting they says, well, here, here's what we've learned. Seeing suffering, suffering does not move people to act if, if they think of that person as a him or a her. And it, well, so biblically, so remember the story, the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite. One psalm is a project. One psalm is a him or a her. The other one psalm is part of them. See, what they found out is this, but when a person thinks of that person as part of us, a part of me, or part of a family, then I move to give. I mean, that's, that's one reason. Go back to Captain William Swinson. That's one reason that soldiers are willing to fight and die and sacrifice for one another. Why? Because they're a family. It is not a him or a her. They are part of me. They are part of us. We're a family. And so they'll fight together, they sacrifice together, they serve together, they'll die together. But unfortunately, many Christians do not see that in the local church. Unfortunately, many Christians are just spectators. And many Christians, what they see is a him or a her. And they don't see that, guess what, we're a family. 
guess what? They're, they're a part of me. That's why Paul talks about this over and over in Scripture, that we're, we're family, that, that we serve one another, we pray for one another, we encourage one another, we give to one another, we support one another. Paul in, in, in Corinthians writes a letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, and he writes these words, and he says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia, very poor churches. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they're also filled, watch this, with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity because they understand giving feeds the soul. Blessing others feeds the soul. Verse 7, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you also what? I want you also to let grace flow. I want you to also excel in this issue of gracious, give, gracious giving. See, these churches in Macedonia were given to the wealthy churches in Corinth. They were given out of their poverty. Because they understood this principle. They understood God's grace and giving feeds the soul. It would be like, in our times, it would be like a church in Haiti taking up an offering in their poverty and giving it to Fellowship of the Rockies. That's what it would be like. And they understood this. They understood that grace is displayed in my life and your life in the way in which we bless others, the way in which we give. Now, I want to close this series up with a story, with an illustration, so that we just understand God's grace, that God's grace is not just for salvation, but God's grace is for, it's for every day of our life. And I want to do that by two days in the life of Charlie Jones. And, I want to, and they're not consecutive days, they're just two days that I picked up, uh, that I picked out for this illustration, day one. It was just one of those days. I mean, you know those days that you have to where you, you get in bed on time and like you sleep through the whole night. I know I sound like an infant, but you know, <laughs> the older you get, you talk about that, right? And I, I like, you like sleep through the whole night. I mean, I woke up, I woke up like an hour before the alarm on my phone went off. And that like never happens. And I'm like wide awake and I am out of bed. I grabbed the alarm. I'm like, bam, I'm on this. I mean, I, I can make this happen today. And so I go get in the shower and I take a shower. I get dressed. I tell Karen goodbye. I head down to the church office and I'm here like early. And so I, I life journal and I'm not rushed and I life journal a little bit extra, um, and uh, in fact is, I even got my calendar out and began looking at all the appointments and the meetings that I would have that day. I prayed for everybody that I would meet with. I prayed for our, our staff meeting with the, elder, the, 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 the pastors that I'd have later that day. And so I prayed through that. In the mornings, my rhythm is to write sermons. I started writing sermons, and it was just unbelievably, unbelievable. It just, it just happened. It just flowed. I mean, I'm like just writing just nonstop, just whistling like this. Is, this is how it should be. And so I, I went to lunch with, with Pastor Chad, and so we're hanging out at lunch, and someone walks up and introduces themselves, and then they, they give me a testimony about the church. And they say, you know what, we, we found out about your church this way, and we got to your church, and we met Christ, and, and God's just transformed our life and changed our life. And, and they walk away, and I'm thinking, this is biblical. This is the way it should be, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. We get back to the office. We go into our pastor's meeting. We got this huge agenda with some big items to discuss. And I mean, it's like, it is, it is, it is like happening. I mean, synergy's happening. We are knocking through the agenda, one right after the other. We're not tabling anything. We are knocking it out. I mean, we're like almost high-fiving each other, like, that is awesome. This is the way it's supposed to be. And so we finish that meeting. I go back to my office and 
I get a text message. I, I get a, a call from Karen, and Karen says, hey, would you mind picking up some stuff at the store? Just one or two items, which means five or six, but uh, just, just one or two. And so I says, fine, text me your list. I'm on it. If I have to go to multiple stores, no problem. Great day. And so she's like, wow, that's unusual. And so she sends me a text message and gives me her list. I pick up the stuff. I go in. We're, I walk in the house. She says, you're not going to believe this. Brittany just called. She's our oldest daughter and says they want us to come to Springs and, and, uh, and have dinner with them, hang out with the grandkids. Don't know if you'd like to do that. And I'm like, get in the car. We are on it. And so we jump in the car. We drive up to the Springs. We have dinner with them and, and it's just having a great time. Then once the kids go to bed, we're out of there. Fun is over. And so, so uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, and so, so we jump in the car. We, we, we head back to town. And, and I mean, it's just one of those great days. And and, uh, and we get in bed, and, and uh, so let's just say it was a great day in the Jones household. I mean, I went home going, God bless America. And so it was just, it was just one of those great days. I mean, it's just one of those days you dream of. Day two. It was a totally different night. And, and I was stressed, and I, I was carrying a, a, a huge load, and and I couldn't sleep. I don't, I don't think I slept all night. Well, finally I fell asleep, and then, but I slept through my alarm. And I got in the car, and I got dressed, and didn't even have a chance to tell Karen goodbye, and, and got in the car and headed to the office, and, uh, and I'm flying down Pueblo Boulevard, um, and I pass IHOP. We're at IHOP uh, every week for the last 15 years. I've been meeting the same man at the same time at IHOP on on that day, and uh, we life journal together and pray together. And I realized I forgot, and I'm 30, I look at my watch, I'm 30 minutes late. So either I can leave him hanging, or I can, and so I, I pulled in, and I was rushed, and you know, was, you know how those days are. I get to the church office, and now I'm way behind, and, and I say, God, I'll, I'll, I'll life journal at the end of my day. And I started trying to write sermons, because that's what I do in the mornings, and it just wouldn't come. It's just, it's, just so, it's, just, it's just so frustrating. I even tried to work through lunch to try to gain some time. And it was like the harder I worked, the, the more difficult it was. And go into a, a pastor's meeting and, and long agenda, some big items we had to discuss. And then the pastors are like, what about this? What about this? When are we going to get a decision on this? When are we going to do this? When are we going to move forward on this? What about this? When you get it? And I'm like, shut up. Just shut up. I mean, I mean, just leave me alone. I mean, even the simple things we couldn't even decide on. I'm like, just leave me alone. And then from there, I go back to my office and say, okay, at least I can do email. I open up email, and there's some complaint emails. I'm like, seriously, God? I mean, seriously? And I hate, I hate those kinds of emails. I really do. And for a moment, I think, okay, I'll go Pastor Jones on them. And I said, no, I can't send that. And, <laughs> and so... So all of a sudden, I get a call from Karen, and Karen's like, hey, can you pick me st some stuff at the, at the store? No. No, I'm busy. I'm stressed. I mean, don't you know all I have to do? Don't you know what I'm doing? And so I, I get home, and she's like, you're not going to believe this, but I don't know if you'd like to go, but the girl's called, and we can go up there. And I said, no. Don't they know my schedule? Don't they know I'm pushing back the flames of hell and all this other stuff and the <laughs> burden of stress I got? I can't be, I mean, I can't do that. And so, and I was short with her. I know it's, and, and, and I was rude. 
And so and then she asked me a couple things during the night, and I was short and rude, and, and, and as she always does, she came over and, and says, hey, Charlie. I go, no, not now. Don't, don't even talk. No. And then shame set in. And disappointment set in. Told my wife I don't have time for her. Told my kids I don't have time for them. Told them everything else is more important than them. And shame and embarrassment set in. And that night I went to bed just praying. God help me be a better person tomorrow than I am today. Now the question is this. On, on what day, day one or day two, did God have more passionate love for Charlie Jones? Neither. They're both the same. He loved me the same on day one as he did day two. That's grace. I'm not trying to earn my salvation. I'm not trying to earn his approval. I have his approval. And his love for me was the same on day one as it was on day two. And I don't know about you, but that kind of grace and that kind of love motivates me and moves me to be a better follower of Christ and to follow him and to walk with him and to allow his grace to flow from him out of me to others. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you this morning, what is God saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you as a result of this message? I mean, this is a huge topic, this issue of grace. This issue of grace upon grace and grace flowed out on us. So let me ask you, what is he saying to you as a believer? Can other people see God's grace in you by the things you stop, by the things you start, by how you suffer, and how you give, and how you bless others? Maybe this morning your next step would be a first step, and that is to accept him and ask him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you're a believer. Maybe you've received that grace, but maybe it's not flowing out. Maybe, you, maybe it's not for the benefit of others, and maybe, maybe you're not administering that get grace. And maybe you'd make a commitment that I'm going I'm to display his grace in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I just need prayer. I'm carrying a huge burden in my life. And if you need prayer, then just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, I'm going to invite you. If you need prayer for any area of your life, if you're carrying a burden, we want to lift that burden. And then after I pray and we stand together, if you need prayer, that you stand up and step out and you begin making your way down to the front of this church. And we want to pray for you. We want to lift that burden. Listen, let me tell you this. You don't need to be embarrassed that you need prayer. Every one of us in this room needs prayer. I need prayer. The fact is, these last few weeks, I've needed a lot of prayer. And my family and I, we still need a lot of prayer. So you don't need to be embarrassed if you need prayer. You need prayer, and I, every one of us in this room needs prayer. But this morning, if you're carrying a burden, if you say, you know what, I, I need prayer far, then we want to pray for you. We want to lift that burden. We want to minister to you. So after I pray and we stand, you step out, make your way down. We'll have people down here that will greet you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, by the power of your name and your word, would you pull this church very closely to you? Would we respond to you? And would burdens be lifted? Would prayers be answered? Father, more than anything, may people be able to see your grace living out in us by what we stop and what we start, how we suffer, and how we give our life away. 
where we sacrifice our lives for the benefit of others. That's the call of the Christian life. May we respond to you now in prayer. And may burdens be lifted and prayers be answered for we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.